I'm Tim Moore, and this is the Stash My Comics Podcast. And we're episode 32. Yeah, we're, we're getting up there in numbers now. Yeah, and we're almost to my age. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> We're not started. We were already past mine, so we're okay. Oh. <laughs> well, we we got uh, what do we got? We got three more before we reach what I will be this year. Oh, that's not that old. You're okay. You're okay. Yeah, my my blood pressure is low, so. Yeah, so we we missed a week. Oh, missed a week last week. It it happened. Yeah, things things got pretty rough on my end. I had uh, some computer problems that I have since gotten fixed, and I lost a. Uh, dear member of my family, uh, a dog that I've had for, for 10 years. I mean, I had him before my wife and I met. Uh, he passed away suddenly. Like, one day he was okay, and then the next day I take him to the vet, and he's like, the vet's like, he's got kidney failure. What? Man. Kidney failure? Yeah. And they're, and they're like, he's got a day to live. Whoa. Yeah, that's, that's wrong. Yeah. So, so all that and, and other things just kind of hit me all at once, and we had yeah. postponed for a week. But we're yeah. back in action now, so... Right, we're back in action better than before. Yeah, probably not, though. <laughs> uh, worse for wear, maybe? No. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, do you watch basketball at all? No, no. I keep up with a little bit of college football, and that's about it. Okay, so so I've been, I've been knee-deep in March Madness this past week. I've watched uh, the Tennessee and Michigan game... And I watched uh, the Lady Balls going against uh, uh, Maryland today, and I watched the the Spartans go against uh, UConn. Uh, and let me tell you, I am I am a real happy with uh, the way that I couch coach, <laughs> uh, and and my team seems to listen to me when I couch coach, and, and oh, okay. they take they take my constructive criticism. But uh, but this wasn't the week for my teams because. Uh, I live in Tennessee, so uh, if I want to stay happily married, I'm a Tennessee fan, um, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm from Michigan too, so I'm not a Wolverines fan. I'm I'm a Spartans fan. I've been a Spartans. Oh, okay. Fan. So you're a Michigan State fan, okay? Yeah, yeah. Since I've been able to put on my own clothes, um, so watching the Tennessee and Wolverines game was was good. It, it was a great game. It, it was, like, totally intense up until the end, and then Tennessee lost. They were supposed to be, like, the Cinderella team this year. But that's okay, you know. Uh, the, the lady balls are usually a lot better than, than the men's basketball. But I watched them today, and I tell you what, I was so disappointed. They played, like, utter crap. They did not play like a number one team. And I was so mad, and I think they knew it. Yeah, they they were sitting on the bench talking like they had tips, so disappointed. Huh? Yeah. Jeez, I, I don't want to make Mr. Morse mad at me. Well, it's too late, ladies. It's too late. You got all all the rest of the off season to think about it. Yeah. And and then the Spartans they went against UConn today, and uh, they're my guys. Like they, they whooped the Buckeyes in the uh, to get to the Rose Bowl, you know, for football. And I was all over that, and and they won the Rose Bowl, and I was like, yes, my team, finally. And uh, then they're in, they're in March Madness, and uh, they were fighting to get into the Elite Eight. And and they played hard, but they didn't play good. And they lost. <laughs> ah, so mad. So mad. But but aside from that, aside from, from the March Madness thing, um, my brother 
introduced me to something really cool. Uh, if, if anybody plays CCGs, we, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, uh, and uh, we, we discussed the impact and, and all that stuff, but uh, we didn't get around to this, and, and uh, it's an online program. Uh, it's free. It's in their beta right now, and it's called Lackey. Uh, anybody that, uh, that, yeah, anybody that uses uh, computer interface or anything like that for, for CCGs or whatever, they'll, they'll know about this. But any collectible card game or, or even any board game uh, that you've ever played, you can use this program uh, to play it. Like, uh, you can play Magic. You can play uh, Overpower, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon, uh, Legend of the Five Rings. All that stuff, and and my brother's a big Vampire the Eternal Struggle player. He goes to tournaments and stuff like that, and he has his own uh, card group in Toledo. But uh, he turned me on to this, and him and I started playing Magic on it yesterday. And and it's a little clunky to learn, but uh, once you get the hang of it, it's so much fun because you have access to to all these cards that you wouldn't normally have access to. You, You can't get on the Magic online servers or anything like that. Uh, but uh, you can most certainly play with your friends, and and that's what we did. Me and my brother sat there for like two hours playing cards. It's got a uh, little uh, voice commands and and uh, noises and things like that. When you put certain creatures out, it roars or yells at you. Or hmm. it's, it's neat. There, there was a similar program that was operational for a long time, but then uh, Wizards sent them a cease and desist order Uh-oh. called uh, Cockatrice, and it was a similar thing where you had card files, you could make decks and play against players and all that. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then Wizards eventually sent them a cease and desist letter, so they have to take it down. But then it kind of got revived by this online magic forum called, like, Works or something. They're hosting their own private games. So, I don't know. That might be something to replace Cockatrice. That'd be cool. I'll check that out. I remember a long time ago uh, when I was uh, trying to find, uh, like, something similar to Stash My Comics, but for your magic cards, where you yeah. had, like, this online database to where you could store your cards and get value and and stuff like that. I have yet to find one. If any of our listeners know of one, please let me know in the comments. I'll be more than happy to check that out. But uh, I remember this one website. I can't remember the name, but I remember uh, you could create your own magic cards. Yeah, yeah. And, and you could use clip art and, and everything. Yeah. It was so cool. I loved that. I had, like, a whole bunch of cards made. Like, yeah, uh, in, in, in high school, me and one of my friends were the only two that, in our little group, were the only two that really played for a while. They were the only two that really knew a lot of the cards. And so there, there was one time he, he made a bunch of fake cards. He's like, no, man, this is from, this is from an older set. That's all. Like, <laughs> and they were like, well, everybody else was like, okay. It's like, cool. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, they. I don't know. Big companies. I think. I think with stuff like that, uh, big companies should just leave them alone. I mean, it's it's the fans paying homage to the to the game that they love the most. And uh, side note, my Xbox is so cinematic. It's like yeah, if you don't know, I watched it down here in the bottom right corner, and it's giving me both sickness. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I walk around a lot when we do the show, and uh, when I step into frame, my Xbox uh, is cinematic enough to, to center me. So, but but anyways, um, shoot, I lost my train of thought now. Oh, uh, no, uh, 
but uh, they're they're paying homage to uh, the the game that they love the most in whatever form it may be. I mean, I mean, like with role playing, you know, you're creating your own world that's based on the world that they have set up for you. You know, and they they give you complete leeway to take it and run with it to do whatever you want, up to uh, you know, not making money off of it. Yeah. You know, but uh, with with these card games uh, and stuff like that, it, it the the cease and desist stuff that that just blows me away. I mean, what what harm is it to sit there and make your own cards and and show them off to everybody? They're not being used, they're not being sold, or anything like that. And it's like with a uh, with with Marvel and and some of the other comic companies. I've I've heard of uh, them going after people that make fan films, non-for-profit fan films, and telling them to stop. Yeah, it's interesting, because then you have a, there's a webcomic called JLH. Yeah. And it's about Peter's version of Justice League. And this dude, I mean, he, he sells prints, he sells scripts, he sells all kinds of stuff. And as far as I know, DC's never told him stuff. Well, see, there's okay, like well, like one instance I know. Uh, the, there's a guy. Uh, his name's Chris Notarelli. He he runs Blinky Productions, uh, and I don't know the ins and outs or whatever happened, but but I know what he's told uh, the people on his friends list on Facebook. Uh, and uh, he was doing a Deadpool web series, you know. And and this guy, uh, since I've found fan films. I mean, he's been doing things for years. He, he's done The Flash. He's done Our Man. He's done The Question. He's done Agent Coulson, Punisher, uh, Daredevil. The, the list goes on. I mean, he, he makes fan films, and and he's really good at it. But uh, he was doing this Deadpool web series, and, and I think he was promoting it, like, like uh, had little promos and little trailers and stuff like that. I don't even know if he got an episode out. I could be wrong, but Marvel told him under no certain conditions or is he allowed to put that out. But they never said anything about anything that was out before. <laughs> I don't know. That makes no sense to me. And then there's a, another company, Throwback Studios. They they have an X-Men web series, and they take it straight from the, the comic script. Like, they're, they're in season four, I think, and their first season was all about the Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah, and and as far as I know, they're still going. Nothing's been said to them. Yeah, no, it's interesting. But because you know, because you know, they have to be aware of a lot of the larger ones. But it's interesting yeah. if they pick and choose to tell them stuff. Well, and then you have Bat and the Sun Productions, and uh, they they do superhero beatdown, and those are basically fan chosen uh, mashups. Well, they choose the mashups, but the fans pick who wins, and uh, they they've had everybody from Batman versus Deadpool, Wolverine versus the Predator, Gandalf versus Darth Vader, hmm. you know that sort of stuff, and and they're still going strong. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it is what it is, I guess. Yep. I don't, I don't have to like it though. And speaking of not liking things, what did you think about the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles trip? Oh, oh, take us right into the news. Take us into the good stuff. <laughs> okay, so, so here's my thoughts. I'm not the biggest Ninja Turtle fan in the world, but I think I'm big enough. Like, my kids are into it. 
uh, I, I'm into it. I, I loved, I loved the comic books. I, I like the Archie books. I like the, the 80s cartoon, the, the 90s cartoon, the one on Nickelodeon currently. I, I hated the live action thing that Saban did. Um, and with, with this new thing that's out, whatever it is, it is not. Ninja Turtles. I mean, it may look like it cosmetically, but as far as everything else is concerned, I think they took a took a big dump on on the legacy that is TNNT. You know, like I, I read an interview with one of the writers of of the movie, and and I get what he's saying, where he says we need to put our own personal stamp on this and and make it our own, but still respect the legacy that is Turtles. Well, I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. If you follow it to the letter, you're only going to be catering to the fanboys, and fanboys are some of the harshest judges of anything that they like. But if you're, if you're going to stay true to the legacy, then don't drastically change things, you know, because in in the origin that, that most people follow, that most people call canon, Shredder had nothing to do with the creation of the Turtles. And least of all, Shredder was not a white guy. Shredder was Asian. I mean, that that's a big part of who he is, you know. Like with the 90s movie, I think they got it right. They, they blended a lot of the black and white book with the appeal that the kids had uh, because the cartoon was really huge at the time. And they couldn't have it be all blood and guts and, and Raph and Leo slashing yeah. people to death. Um, but they found that happy medium, and that's why that movie is still hailed as the best representation of the Turtles to date. This, my kids are going to want to go see it, and I'm not going to go see it opening weekend. I, I will protest. Well, my kids are my kids, and and uh, my my two boys are huge turtle fans. Like like my three year old son is is a ninja turtle <laughs> through and through, uh, and and my ten year old son is is practically the same thing. So when they catch wind of this trailer, all I'm going to hear is, "Oh wow, when are we going to go see it? Are we going to go see it, Dad? Are we going to go see this?" Well. Yeah, I guess so, but not opening weekend. We'll wait two weeks. <laughs> yeah, but man, did you see where they uh, where they threw one element to that thunder? That was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> a a fanboy may find me and and shoot me in the face for this, but if Michael Bay's good at anything, he's good at displaying action on screen. Oh yeah. Say yeah. say what you want about the guy and his destruction of Transformers, but. He knows how to make a good action movie, and he knows how to make it intense, and he knows how to to keep you on the edge of your seat, even if you hate the man. But I don't think he can tell a story to save his life. I, I don't know. I uh, I remember playing with the toys when I was little and watching the show and watching the movies in the 90s and all that, and you know, of course playing the what the Sega or the Super Nintendo games that they had. Mm-hmm. I remember all that. The original Nintendo yeah. games. Yeah, I remember that. One of the hardest games ever to play. All, all, all the Nintendo games were the hardest games ever. 
So what do you think of the trailer, though? What, what do you think about it? I don't know. I mean, it's... I, I'm trying not to judge it too harshly yet, because I haven't... Judge yet. it, please. <laughs> two minutes is not a great representation. But everything's based on that trailer. Anticipation is based off of that. Yeah, no, no. I am not anticipated. It's... I don't know. The, the fact that they have lips and they look kind of like Shrek is a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> but I do kind of like the fact that they all have sort of like surfer gutter trash clothes on, which makes a lot of sense for them living in the sewers. You like the uh, the distinguishing aspects about them. Yeah, I, I kind of like the fact that, you know, they're all wearing shell necklaces and just tattered clothes and that sort of thing because they live in the sewers. That kind of right. makes sense. But... I, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to hold my judgment until I see it, but I don't know. I don't know. It'll be it's it's like with with Spider-Man movies. Certain things you can't change, and when you try and change it, you're gonna get backlash. Like when when Raimi took away Peter Parker's web shooters. The the web shooters are a representation of just how effing smart Peter Parker is because he built those on his own. He created those things. And, and with the Ninja Turtles, it, it, you, you it, it, they're not going to be able to please everyone. It wouldn't matter no. if it was a strict adaptation of the comic. Someone would be uh, bad about it or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, I'm not all about saying 100% true, because I understand you have to change things. But don't change the things that don't need to be changed simply to create controversy, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I can understand that, yeah. Okay. All right, moving on. Moving on. Let's talk about the Spider-Verse. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so Marvel and Dan Slott, love him or hate him, have a... Uh, have the next big thing for Spider-Man. When Peter Parker returns, uh, I believe April, right? The, the first Something like April? that, yeah. yeah. Uh, later on in the year, they're, they're going to do the, the, the big Spider-Man event where every Spider-Man that has ever been created... And then a uh, couple more. Yeah, and then ones that they created specifically for this event will come together to, to face off against what is supposed to be the greatest challenge that these Spider-Men have ever faced. What do you think? It's, I, I don't know. It's, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan, but there's, there's some sort of weird appeal about seeing, you know, Peter Parker and uh, I'm sure they have Ben Riley and Kane and all that in there. And then there's the, Peter the picture Parker. Showed, uh, yeah. It showed the, the Ben Riley with the... the the sleeveless yeah, the, sweaters. Yeah, the yeah. sleeveless hoodies. And then I'm sure there's there's a uh, Peter, there's the uh, Spider-Man report 1802. I mean, there's Spider-Man 299. There's Miles Morales. Yeah, there's this. How they'll make it work, I don't know, but it's a it's an extremely interesting concept. What I'm curious about is. Uh, how they're all going to interact with each other. Like, like the Iron Spider is, is from a, a certain point 
in Parker's history, and, yeah. and the regular Spider-Man, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, will be the present day after going through the Superior storyline and all that stuff. And then you'll have that Spider-Man, the, the Doc Ock uh, yeah, Spider-Man. Superior you know, Spider-Man, yeah. Yeah, and on top of that, you'll have the Spider-Man that has the symbiote suit. Like, not the black costume, but the symbiote suit. So I need to see how that's going to factor into all that. Um, I'll check it out. Uh, I'm very curious. I, I never read Spider Island, so so I missed out on all that. I came in, like, right at the tail end of that. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see how they're going to do this and, and how good of a story they can make it. Because... Because I think that uh, Dan Slott has a uh, – I, I said it two weeks ago. Dan Slott does not have Spider-Man's best interests at heart. I think all he wants to do is tear that character down. And I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll he, he's see. definitely been a divisive writer on the, on the book. A lot of people, yeah. you know, some people hate it, what he's done. Some people have liked it. It's, I don't know. It, it'll be, it's an interesting concept. I'm I'll, I'll try to check it out just to see how it works. He's he's been a part of two of the most controversial Spider-Man uh, events in recent history: the yeah. the Brand New Day stuff and uh, the death of Parker with Superior Spider-Man. Yeah. So so whether he's going for three for three, uh, we'll see. But hopefully he doesn't kill Peter Parker, or, or at least the main one. Or if they're going to be killing off some Spider-Man then don't treat it like the clone saga from the 90s and make us guess which one is the real Spider-Man, if and when he's still alive or, or wherever he ended oh, up. Oh, man, it'll be 1602 Spider-Man and, you know, <laughs> Spider-Man, oh, man. Oh, I can't wait. No. It, it'll be Peter <laughs> Porker inside the spider suit. No one will know the oh, difference. My <laughs> oh, my God. But that, that takes us to, to the other half of the, the Spidey news that we have this week. Spider-Man 2099, the best thing that came out of the 2099 ideas uh, is getting his own series, well, getting a new series uh, this year. Uh, Peter David's writing, I believe. Yeah. And uh, uh, who's doing the artwork? Let me see here. Um, uh, uh, Slinny, I guess. That's the only name that they're given right now. <laughs> um, but anyways, the, the cover art looks fantastic. Uh, so apparently Miguel O'Hara is uh, trapped in present-day Marvel Universe, uh, and this is what the rest of the uh, the news release says. Miguel is now trapped in the present-day Marvel Universe, so straight away we have to deal with the fact that in the greatest of Marvel traditions, we have a hero out of time. I'm looking, uh, Slinny goes on to say, I'm looking forward to drawing that iconic costume in the surroundings of some of New York's gritty and textured-looking neighborhoods. I'm excited about this. Yeah. I loved Spider, uh, Spider-Man 2099 when it came out in the 90s. I still have uh, my copy of number one that I bought off the newsstands. And I, I was all about it. Spider-Man, Ravage, Doom, which I loved. I thought Doom was a great idea. Um, X-Men was fair, uh, and Punisher and Ghost Rider, uh, I think, were the start of the downfall. Yeah, I remember reading a lot of the 2099 stuff growing up in the 90s. <laughs> That was at the but, uh, point where I wasn't reading them regularly. I was kind of reading issues here or there because I was, yeah. you know, little, little. And but they were always the most amazing things. 
Yeah, but but twenty ninety nine is what everybody fell in love with. I mean, that that that's like universally amongst the twenty ninety nine fans. You know, it's like Spider Man was tough. Yeah. So I'm very curious, and and I love Peter David as a writer. One of my favorite issues that he ever wrote for Spider Man uh, was uh, Web of Spider Man number thirteen, and and I got I did a review of it. Uh, a while ago, like a year and a half ago, uh, and I uh, sent that copy uh, with my buddy Charlie when he went to Dragon Con while Peter David was there and had him sign yeah, it. Yeah. So, so that's one of my prized treasures. But uh, the, the way he wrote number 13 was, was really, really good, like really thought out, really planned, uh, very epic and very emotional in scope. And uh, when he was doing... Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. I mean, he did that up until they canceled it for for the debacle that was Brand New Day. And uh, I, I loved that. It was simpler stories. It was it was Spider-Man on a Tuesday evening instead of Spider-Man on a Friday night. But uh, it was it was still really good. It was really personal. It, it had a lot of the humor that goes along with Spider-Man and and stuff like that. And you got to see a lot of the side things that he did. But uh, but I'm excited about it. I, I I'm I'm very looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean it'll. Like I said, I mean I, I remember reading some of those books as a kid, really just being amazed by by the contrast of that to the main Marvel universe. I'm looking forward to it too. See what they do. You were amazed and thought it was spectacular. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> and spectacular, as Spider-Man often is. Uh, and not. Not uh, not too sensational though. But no, sensational no, no, nor superior. Right, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. Well, all right, Leo. What do you think about taking it to the poll list? Sounds like a plan. All right. So this week our two books are Motorcycle Samurai Number Zero, which is on Comicsology. And all new Ghost Rider number one, which was out last week from Marvel. That's right. Yeah. So, what do you want to start with, Tim? Uh, let's go ahead and go with Motorcycle Samurai since they're yours. All right. Yours. All right. So, yeah, my pick was Motorcycle Samurai. It's art and story by Chris Sheridan. All right. My pick this week is Motorcycle Samurai number zero. It's on Comicsology. It's a weird sort of sci-fi western, almost from yeah. Chris Sheridan, and it's, as as the little blurb on Comicology said, it says, it blends elements of Mad Max and Kill Bill into this weird, there's a lone samurai wandering this desert wasteland with a mysterious stranger as her prisoner. Mr. Happy, I yes. think is his name. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's trying to get happy to her destination no matter what, and as often is the case, someone is trying to stop her. I think that's a really good analogy for, for what you read in number zero. I think that's near spot on. Yeah. It's, I, Chris Sheridan, I mean, this is, as far as I know, Motorcycle Samurai is Chris Sheridan's first real public work. It's okay. put out, it's put out digitally through Top, Top Shelf. It was part oh, of their, okay. uh, it was part of their digital sale. Because they do a digital sale every year during uh, SDCC. The top, top shelf is not an unknown company. Yeah. And, but they do a digital sale every year during San Diego Comic-Con. 
And last year, they were like, this is our first, like, real digital first title. It's, you know, 99 cents or something. And so I was like, okay, like, what, what's up? And so I read it, and I read it, and I was like, wow, you know, this, is, this is pretty good. And as a digital first title, if it uses comicology as I did do, way of storytelling, the guy did before that, which is a panel at a time or a word bubble at a time or, you know, one facial expression or something. And it really lends well to this comic, making it almost more like watching a movie than it is reading a book. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and I, I think the Kill Bill and Mad Max are spot on because there's, there's all kinds of great action and, you know, the old school Western standoffs where they're looking at each other across the desert and there's a, there's a water sticking on the side, a rickety old sling. Yeah. In the background, yeah. Yeah. And, but instead of swords, they have, or instead of guns, they have swords, which makes it all the better. Right. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed it when it came out. I just read it today again, just catching up on it because it's been, you know, over six months since last time I read it. And I liked it just as much this time around. Great. So so what would you give the writing? Uh, the writing, I mean, it's not a terribly complex story, but it's one that's a lot of fun and it's a good little, you know, it's a good introduction to the characters, even if it is a bit mysterious. I'll give it an eight. And okay. I think Sheridan's art works well for the story and the concept and the characters. It's, a, it's weird and kind of out of proportion, and but it's very uh, energetic as well. And I'll give right that on. an eight as well. So a solid eight all yeah. the way around. Yes. Okay. So so my take on it, uh, I'm not a big uh, digital comics reader, uh, and, and and when I have, it's been like like Marvel books or the free stuff on Comicsology. Um, yeah. but, uh, when I, when I read Marvel, uh, I always feel like I'm missing something. And, and we even talked about that a little bit before, before the show started. Um, but, uh, with this, I, I read it on my phone. I've got the Comixology app on my phone and, uh, I got that all set up, uh, the other day and, and uploaded Motorcycle Samurai number zero. And, and from the minute it starts, uh, it, it almost feels like I should be hearing voiceover. You know, that's that's how cinematic it felt to me, reading that. And and it didn't feel slowly paced or overpaced. It was like as as you swipe on the phone, it uh, it follows right along. And with the way that they set it up, I mean, it uses Comicsology's digital reader perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 slightly intimidating a little bit to sit there and to read this girl as she's cruising through and, and her outer monologue. I love it. I, I love it. I, I thought that was one of the best parts of the book. Uh, she's sitting there talking to this guy that's on the back of her motorcycle that has this burlap sack over his, over his head with a smiley face drawn on it. And, uh, she's, she's outer monologuing to him about how much she hates the desert, how much she hates sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she runs into this group called the Hornets, and it's a bunch of girls uh, that are ready to, to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and they're all out of bubble gum. And uh, 
you know, all she wants to do is, is get some water and then take Mr. Happy to his destination. And she offers up that sword that she has. It's supposed to be like this rare and untouchable sword or whatever. And she says, I'll give this to you if you just let me pass. And, and they're like, no. And we're going to introduce ourselves all at once so you know who you're fighting, so you know who's going to beat you. And, and then it goes. And the, the action scenes, the, the way that it is, it is really good. Uh, like, even depending upon how fast you swipe on the phone during the scenes, uh, the way that the reader works, it just brings it all to life. Uh, I, th- I thought the writing was stellar. Uh, it, it really kept me interested. Uh, the artwork uh, suited the book perfectly, you know. His, his type of artwork I don't think is suited for a mainstream book because mainstream uh, title readers are, are looking for something specific. You know, and, and we even talked about that, too, where Marvel has taken a lot of these secondary titles and throwing artists on there that I personally don't think have any business being on there. And, and we'll get into that with Ghost Rider. <laughs> but, uh, but, but with this guy's work um, here, and it's like I said before, you know, uh, with their own titles, the stuff that they're allowed to do the way that they want it, it fits so well and and here it's, it's glamorous it's it's amazing i mean you, you get the sense of how hot it is and you get the sense of how tired she is and you get the sense of how irritated she is that she has to deal with this bs <laughs> uh so so breaking it down the the writing and the artwork both did a solid eight for me i was thoroughly impressed i really enjoyed it and uh i'm looking forward to reading more yeah, this this is a title that I would invest my time in. And I believe all the uh, digital issues are either ninety nine cents or a dollar ninety nine. And you can't beat that. Uh, yeah. I was working on Comicsology the other day, and uh, their new issues for digital are the same price as their print issues. And I don't mm-hmm. think it should be that way. Yeah, I, I do love though how the first like three panels of Motorcycle Samurai nothing but that lizard just chilling out the desert. <laughs> I, I love that so much. It's like that. That's what establishes this book. It's looking at this, this lizard for three or four panels. Yeah, and, and as you're swiping through, uh, it's just her outer monologue. Yep. Going one, two, three, and then you get more of the lizard, and then you see her boom drive by. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, so another win for you. An- another mark in the win column. Yeah. For books you've introduced me to. I, I think you're winning more than you're losing. That's the whole I hope for. <laughs> all right, let's let's go to uh, to all new Ghost Rider number one. Yes, this was your pick. Oh, and I wish I didn't. Okay, uh, all new Ghost Rider number one came out uh, last week uh, through Marvel. The writer is Felipe Smith. The artist is Trad Moore. Okay, so. So the book is all about this kid named Robbie. Uh, he's a Hispanic American, uh, lives in Los Angeles, I believe, uh, works at this car, uh, this auto shop. And uh, you see him working on this, this black muscle car. Uh, I, I don't think they give it specific as to what it is or whatever. But uh, his boss is calling his name, and, you know, he's, he's the typical young type of guy, got the, the earbuds in his ears, in his own little world, doing his own thing. You know, and he gets the money from his boss, and his boss tries to cheat him out of money, and he calls him out on it. 
and uh, then the boss gives him the, the $25 that he tried to cheat him out of. And and Robbie lives in this less than fortunate neighborhood, uh, and he has a brother who is uh, both physically and mentally handicapped. And uh, as we meet his brother, his brother is being tormented by this group of three dudes uh, who are obviously gang members of some type, uh, pushing him out of his chair, destroying his comic books, and taking his wheelchair. Robbie gets in a fight with them, gets his nose all bloodied, and his face all pummeled into the tenderized meat. Uh, and then, you know, it just kind of goes from there. And then it establishes that Robbie loves his brother and his brother loves him. And uh, then the next thing you know, Robbie is going back to the body shop and he steals the car that he was working on. But and this was the only cool aspect of the book, uh, is that uh, as he comes up to the car for the first time at night, uh, in the window which Robbie can't see, uh, you see that uh, his reflection is something else, uh, and, and obviously that's foreshadowing. Um, but uh, you know he gets in the car and, and more things happen uh, outside of his peripheral or, or that he can't see uh, in the window. And then this is where the book turns to garbage. Uh, it he shows up at a at a street race and uh, it's like a fifty thousand dollar pot that that everybody's racing for. And and Robbie is the typical tough guy and I'm going to put my car up for grabs because my car is better than yours and I can beat you all of you, and and they go and get in this race, and, and Robbie gets uh, caught by the cops, so to speak, but they're not cops, and he gets shot by the cops who are not cops, <laughs> and there's something in the trunk of the car that they take out, and as Robbie's laying there bleeding to death, uh, the guy strikes a match, throws it on the, the spilled gasoline, which in turn blows up the car, and it blows up Robbie, and you see Robbie melt away and then reform as the all-new, all-different, all-crappy Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh, man. All-new, all-crappy Ghost Rider. I love it. Do not waste your $3.99 on this toilet paper. Felipe Smith's writing, <laughs> there's, there's nothing there. There's no soul, period. And, and maybe that's a bad pun, but, I mean, the book has no heart at all. I, I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to garner sympathy uh, for, for Robbie and his brother, but there's, there's no real reason for whatever the spirit of this ghost writer is to choose Robbie. I mean, they, with Johnny Blaze, you know, uh, he, he sold his soul to the devil. And then the devil went back on their arrangement, which is typical. And then Johnny Blaze, through the rest of the run, is rebelling against the devil and, and doing and being hit the self-proclaimed spirit of vengeance. In the 90s, it was Danny Ketch uh, who was trying to avenge all innocents everywhere after the, the brutalization and eventual death of her sister. Uh, if nobody's ever read it, spoiler. Um, but uh, 
the the 90s Ghost Rider through most of that run that that Howard Mackey did, uh, who, who's my friend on Facebook, by the way. Um, yep. But uh, <laughs> but anyways, regardless of that, uh, his run on Ghost Rider uh, was was fantastic. It, it was it, it captured the the viciousness and the dark qualities and the just outright hatred that Ghost Rider had for for people that tampered with innocence. I mean I mean it was it was good. Uh the the two thousand six to two thousand nine run, uh, me and my buddy Nick even say the same thing. when they brought Johnny Blaze back it worked. Uh and it worked through the idea that they had initially, uh with the the pieces of Satan or whatever it was that were scattered all over the world and he had to go and uh, collect them. If the series would have stuck with that uh, it would have been great, and it, and it was great for, like, the first 10 or 15 issues. And then when they switched writers, it went to crap, and, and it just fell and was horrible. And they made Danny Ketch going after all these different ghost writers all over the play, all over the world and stuff like that, and that was ridiculous. But but anyways, now you have this, and uh, Felipe Smith is, is going to go down in history as the guy who ruined Ghost Rider. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's horrible. It's, it's full of holes. He moved too fast. To try and get things done, uh, he he made no sense of anything, uh, and and it it seemed to me like he just wanted that last page to be the new Ghost Rider showing up. Well, if that's the case, make there be a reason, or or if, if you can do it in the six issue arc that Marvel no doubt enjoys, you better make it known why he was chosen. I give the writing on this uh, a very weighted three. Uh, and, and that's generous for me for, uh, on this title. The artwork, on the other hand, uh, Trad Moore, <sighs> close-ups were cool. I, I really dug his close-ups, and I really dug uh, his conveyance of emotion. That, that was cool. But everything else about the book sucked. It, it was not. It was not good. It, uh, Trad, I, I don't take it personal, bud, but uh, if... if they would have had a different artist on this. I, I think visually it would have done a lot better. But uh, I, I think it was average at best, uh, and I give that a 5. The book overall gets a 4 out of 10. Okay. I think I liked it a little bit better than you, but <laughs> uh, I agree that for the most part the writing doesn't really feel uh, genuine is the right word, but doesn't doesn't grab you. No, the genuine's right. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not the right word for what I was thinking. <laughs> but it doesn't really grab you. There's not a lot other than other than Robbie and uh, his brother's relationship. There's not really a lot to grab onto in the book. Right. Because you can see the love they have and all that. That's great. But why is he the new Ghost Rider? You know, why, why is why him? Which I'm sure they'll explain in issue two or three or whatever. Issue 15? Yeah, probably that. <laughs> but... I just don't think there's there's a lot that's left missing, a lot that's left out that I think probably should have been added in, maybe. Yeah. And uh, on the arch, I I'm a fan of Trad's earlier work on the Legend of Luther Strode book, but then it's yeah, I've never seen anything he'd done previously. Yeah. And so I'm I'm a little bit more used to his style, I guess. And I actually think this is probably some of his better work. 
it's it's a lot cleaner than it normally is. It's a lot more energetic. But uh, let's see. I breathe close close up to very good. There there's a lot of expression to it when it's close up like that. Mm-hmm. And some of the further out shots are quite so great. But I do I do like his car chase, his little racing. I do like that. Maybe that's just me. No, that that was okay. Um, the the sense of adrenaline, I could see yeah. what they were doing, like with the speedometer in the background and the panels that showed what was going on in the foreground. I, I got that. That was okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. For, for the writing, I'd have to give it like a five. I, I like to look, I don't know, I'm not quite as hard on the view, but it still doesn't, still doesn't get me. Right. On the art. Not a title you're going to yeah. run out and grab every week. No, no, no. On the art, I'm going to go with like a, an eight, I guess. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. I'm taken aback. But, 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 but you're more familiar with, with yeah. the previous stuff. And, and I guess if, if yeah, that people makes, are, Yeah. Yeah. He had seen his artwork before. He may have known a little bit more going into it. Yeah, uh, expecting a little more. So, so okay. So, Motorcycle Samurai, we both recommend highly. Uh, Ghost Rider number one, I say don't waste your money. It's not quite as good. No. Uh, you wanted to talk about some uh, acts this week. Yeah. Well, really good one. Okay. I, uh, it's... I found a cool little game called Punch Quest on the Android App Store, the Google Play Store. Okay. And all it is is just a side-scrolling, you know, game, and you just run through this little guy, you run through his dungeon, and all you do is you do either press right or press left on your screen. Uh-huh. Right does a punch, left makes you jump and do an uppercut. And you just <laughs> run through these dungeons, punching skeletons and <laughs> ogres and orcs and cyclopses and just all kinds of stuff. That sounds awesome. And you can you can buy skills and you can buy upgrades and all that. The money you get from killing these monsters, and, you know, a, a game a run through takes a minute, maybe two. So it's a cool little thing, you know, just waiting around or sitting in the car or whatever. It's a nice little way to kill a couple of minutes. Right on, right on. And it's free on the app store. That's completely free. Nice. Uh. The the one app that's there's two that that have kind of caught my eye uh, since the last time we did an app of the week. Um, the the first one is uh, on the iStore. Uh, they they have the complete uh, Lego Star Wars, the the complete saga on there. Like it's the full game uh, with it's all touch based and stuff like that. So that makes it a little more difficult. But uh, but I played the the crap out of it on the 360, and and my wife downloaded it for the kids. I was like, let me see that, and I looked on there, and sure enough, it is like the whole game in an app, and it's totally free. That's crazy. Yeah, and uh, the other one that caught my attention was uh, Marvel's Puzzle Quest, I think it is, um, where uh, it's slightly story based with a uh, Bendis uh, writing. And uh, you get to pick or earn a bunch of different heroes. And uh, if anybody has uh, 360, they, they know the game Hexic 3D. 
uh, or, or if you play Bejeweled or Bedazzled or whatever the games yeah. are. It's that typical type of thing where you have to match three in a row, four in a row, or whatever, and special things happen. But uh, with this, you, you match all the different things, and uh, you get you build up special abilities like punches and, and action moves and special moves, like Iron Man will do his repulsor blasts, and you're going against these bad guys who will drop bombs and and uh, try and mess you up as, as you're going through trying to complete the quest or whatever. And that was actually really cool. I had a lot of fun with that. I found myself playing that for like an hour when, when she downloaded it. That's so cool. both of those are on the, yeah, both of those are on the iStore. I, I recommend picking those up. I mean, really fun to play if you like Lego Star Wars or Lego anything. You know, yeah. that's, that's a good one to do. But, uh, are you reading anything new? We we didn't even cover that after uh, we were done with the reviews. I'm looking forward to Black Science number five. This one today. That's all I can really think of right now. Uh, I got back into DMZ. Okay. Yep, I read uh, issue number eleven, which was uh, ZNYC. And, and and the farther I get into that series, the more I get excited about it. I just love. Everything. Uh, Z is one of the major characters in the book, and, and that issue focuses specifically on her and how she came to be who she is in the demilitarized zone. Anybody that's not reading DMZ, I highly recommend that. Totally worth the read. But uh, that's, that's pretty much the only thing I'm getting into right now. I'm trying to get back into uh, Punisher. Um, that seems to be like like our favorite new Marvel pile that's going on. Yeah, I'm basically... Yeah, and, and Fantastic Four is getting uh, pretty rave reviews, too. Okay. Yeah. But uh, before we go to the weekly distraction, I do believe you wanted to talk about some Taco Bell. Yes, Taco Bell breakfast, which started on the 27th, I believe, the morning of the 27th. Yep. I uh, I tried it out yesterday morning on the 29th, so two days old at that point. Did you get dysentery? No. <laughs> I uh, I rolled in there, started at like 7, I got there, it's like right next to the grocery store where I usually go get my uh, lunch for work and stuff whenever I go in on Saturdays. And so I rolled in there before I went and, went and got my lunch and my chips and stuff like that for lunch. And uh, I got a waffle taco, which is a waffle with a little bit of syrup on it that's like pre-made into it, kind of like the McGriddles are. And McDonald's, right. it was a waffle. 4,000 calories. Probably, it's worth it, though. It was a waffle, <laughs> and it had sausage on top of it, and then scrambled eggs with cheese on top of that. You just folded it up, kind of like a taco, and ate it. And it cost wow. a dollar $1.99. Right on. And then uh, I had the, the bacon, egg, and cheese breakfast burrito, which was, you know, bacon and eggs, obviously, and cheese, mm-hmm. all wrapped up in the tortilla, and... What surprised me, though, is that they had the quesadilla sauce inside of it, which I was right. not expecting. And it was good, but it was just weird at first. <laughs> and that was like a $1.60 or something like that, $1.59, $1.69, or something. And so I got that, the waffle taco, and a drink for like $5.50. Nice. It wasn't bad. And it was pretty good, and it did not destroy my stomach. <laughs> no dysentery. No, I was... <laughs> Like, I, I was actually tweeting about it all day. <laughs> I, was, 
I, uh, like, I, it was, because everyone's like, oh, it's going to happen. Like, it's just going down. And I was like, I didn't, I was, I was like, man, 10 hours in, I'm good to go. Like, we're, I, <laughs> I consider this a success. No IBS, no irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah. That's great. I, I like their, uh, their campaign that they have going on right now where they're showing, like, every Ronald McDonald that yeah, lives in yeah, America yeah. That, that loves Taco Bell's breakfast. One thing I want to get, though, I didn't get the other morning was was the uh, AM Crunchwrap, you know, the Crunchwrap yeah. Supreme. Yeah. The breakfast version was kind of like a hash brown with was, like, bacon and eggs and cheese on top of it, all wrapped up in a basket for PSA. I, I think when uh, we go see... Uh, the Winter Soldier this weekend. Uh, we're gonna make a deal out of getting breakfast in the morning, and I think we're gonna go do Taco Bell. It's, I mean, it's interesting if nothing else. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, let's dive into this, man. Like like a waffle taco in the morning. Let's yeah, go into the weekend. In yeah. <laughs> All right. So our weekly distraction this week is digital comics, which is very very fitting considering we just reviewed. That's right. Now, I believe I'm a little more into digital comics than you are. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Okay. Because I think the only medium you read, like 90% of what you read is all digital. It's it's a weird mix. Like, I I, I read a lot of the review copies anyway, so those are all digital. Mm -hmm. Then there's some stuff, like the Monkey Brain books, that are only digital that I read. And then there's some things that I read in print, and there's, there's some things I read in a mix of print and digital. Because while a lot of people are collectors, I just like reading it, you know? Right. And so it's not a big deal to me if I don't have all the issues of, you know, Ghostwriter or whatever. And if I happen to buy it that month, cool. If not, digital. Mm-hmm. But, so I'm a little bit more into it, and... Like you're talking about with your phone, comicology on your phone. Like I, mean, I can, I can read a comic on my lunch break while I'm eating lunch. You know, without yeah. smudging anything. Get greasy fingers yeah. and smudging black ink. I can sit there and eat my waffle taco and just, <laughs> you know, the new issue of Avengers or whatever. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's, it's very, very good. It's a great way to get new people into comics. I think. Because I think it's probably easier to say, hey, man, spend two bucks on this and, you know, get your phone out rather than, like, hey, here's a trade and give me $15 then plot out about half an hour to read this thing. Right. Take up a space on your bookshelf, you know. But I don't know. What, what do you think? What do you think about digital? Uh, well, like like everybody else that that has collected comics in the past, 20 years. Uh, I, I started out on paper. You know, I, I started out with with a, a randomized group of books that, that my grandmother got me at a yard sale. Uh, and it, and it, had, uh, it had the Phantom when DC was doing the Phantom. It had a, a random issue of the Spectre. It had uh, a, a series that only went for three issues called Chrome, uh, which I totally dig, uh, and, and it was cut too soon because I think the company went out of business or something like that. Um, but it had Chrome number one, 
and it had Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 11. And regardless of what Jason Martin says, uh, it is a spectacular issue uh, that needs to be read by everybody. So, so there. All right. Uh, anyway, so. But anyways, um, Motorcycle Samurai was, was my first real uh, immersion into digital comics. Um, I, I'm very partial to paper. And, and I remember in, in podcasts previous when, when Jason and Tom uh, were, were doing the show uh, and Kelly were, were doing the show together uh, that we talked digital. And uh, it, it was kind of – it was uh, balanced on, on how people thought about it, but we were leaning more toward paper. Um, I, I'm very much into the collection aspect of it. Uh, I'm, I'm very much into to collecting my favorite titles, which may not be favorites for everybody else, but that's not the point of collecting. Um, but, uh, but, but like you, I love to read them. Um, I, I love to sit down with a stack of books uh, and, and put them in order of what I want to read and then flip them over, fingernail holding the paper, over to the next one so the, the spine doesn't bend and it has that nice little W going and uh, all of that. I love the smell of, of the paper and the ink and all that jazz. But you, you don't get near as much of the cinematic quality as you do reading it on digital. But, but that only goes so far. Uh, if, if the company that's putting out the book uh, really take advantage of it like Top Shelf did with Motorcycle Samurai. It makes it such an awesome experience uh, to, to read it. And, and the half hour that you spend reading that issue is is a half hour television show, uh, a half hour motion comic for, for lack of a better term. Um, but uh, with things like Marvel and, and with DC, they're the big guys, you know, so they, they have access to this, and Marvel does the AR thing to give you a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff and all that. But I always feel like I'm missing something when I read it. And I think I even did this uh, when, when we were doing digital reads uh, on SNC. Somebody had access to, to the Marvel thing, and, and they gave everybody the password, all the administrators. Uh, and, and we were doing Marvel digital reads and stuff like that. I, I read one issue that I have on paper, uh, and uh, I read it digital. And I was like, I'm missing something here. They're, they're not showing all of the panel. And I would back it out to, to look at it. And sure enough, they, they cut off, like, certain segments or certain parts. And, and I don't know. I, I just didn't like that, that whole experience with it. But uh, the, the big thing is, is I think people are – are kind of scared that digital is going to take over the medium. And I disagree with that because, because the, the secondary market for, for comic books will never go away. And if Marvel goes straight digital, then I don't care what title it is. Everything that was ever printed on paper will skyrocket. Um, but uh, but there, there's too many people that, that want the paper comics. There's too many people that, that want to collect the variant issues. And I don't think that you can do that digitally. Digi digitally has its own rewards, but it has uh, severe drawbacks, too. Yeah, digital, at least for 
the near future will not be the norm. Comics is still too much about the collector rather than the casual reader. Yeah, and and that's unfortunate. I mean, the 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 collector holds a lot of weight, and, yeah. and that I think is a big reason for a lot of the variant issues. Mm-hmm. And, and digital definitely caters to the reader. You know, like like with Dave and uh, which I highly recommend. And things like Dave that start off digital, Monkey Brain, their whole deal is they start digital, once it's done, they collect it as a trade a couple months later. That's right, so, and that's perfect. Sometime later this year, there should be a Dave trade. And, and I can't wait for that. That's, that's something that I would love to hold in my hands, but reading it digitally... Uh, made it such an experience too. Uh, I, I didn't read it on Comicsology, um, but uh, like just just reading it there. I mean, I don't know. It, it just brought it out. You know, it made the experience of reading that book so much better by reading it on my computer screen. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you, you know, like. If you're going to do digital, I, I think that companies like like Monkey Brain uh, and and Top Shelf and uh, and and some of the other smaller groups uh, are doing it right uh, by taking advantage of of the cin- the cinematography that that can be done, you know. But uh, the 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 bigger ones, I think, they're just pushing it to push it and. And the 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 prices that I, I think that's the point I'm trying to make. The, the prices, like Monkey Brain and them, they're doing 99 cents, a dollar 99, affordable, you know, to to buy these books. But Marvel, uh, you, you can buy the paper one for 3.99, or you can buy the digital one for 3.99. Yes, that's that's what's making the big two. I mean, even Image does that. Most major or semi-major publishers are like that, which doesn't make any sense to me. No, and I don't think they need to do that at all. I think that if it's a digital release, or if it's digital release along with the uh, physical, the physical copy needs to be a certain amount. Obviously, I, I, I understand that. I, I'm not happy with with the cost of some of the books, but uh, if it's going to be digital too, then then I think the price should be significantly reduced. Yeah. It's not a I'll I'll drop two ninety nine or three ninety nine on on titles that I want, but I'm not going to risk my three ninety nine on on a digital copy. No way, because I can't get rid of that. I can't I can't sell it to a bookstore. I can't take it to the comic store. I can't give it away to a friend. I'm stuck with that, and I don't want to be stuck with that. Yeah. Like there's a there's a bookstore here called McKay's, uh, and anybody that lives in in Knoxville knows knows all about it, but uh, you know they they just recently uh, did like a comic book section, um, so they're taking in all all kinds of comic books, and uh, as as they were doing it, like people were turning in the new titles that they didn't want, you know, and uh, reselling them for for less than cover price, like when the new Fifty Two hit. Uh, a couple months later, uh, you would see uh, some of those titles 
circulating in the McKay's comic bins and stuff like that. And and they're doing like all all kinds of old back issues for seventy five cents, ninety nine cents, a dollar, dollar twenty five, stuff like that. Uh, and newer titles uh, weren't going for any more than a dollar fifty on return, you know. But uh, if I had a whole stack of digital comic books, I, I couldn't turn those in. I couldn't get some form of return on a bad investment. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's actually a very good point. Yeah. Especially with uh, things like comicology being DRM locked, you know, you can't you can't mm-hmm. do it do with it as you see fit. And that's also something that's interesting to see. Like Image, they have their own digital comic shop now, where they or they offer other titles because he they they offer other titles as DR free. DRM free copy for you know $1.99 or $2.99 or whatever. So that means you can trade them? You can you can download it to your computer and you can it's yours to do with as you see fit. Um, you can transfer it between devices, email it to your buddy, whatever. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I don't know though. Um, I'm still on the fence about digital. Like like independent reads. I I love comicology. I love I I love how they're doing things. Uh, and and even with with the big two, the big three, uh, when when they had sales and stuff like that. Like I saw their sale for uh, the entire uh, Death of Captain America epic. Yeah. Uh, and they they had like all these issues for five dollars. I was like, oh, that's yeah. awesome. I I could totally do that. Um, and, uh, what did, what did they have? They had some sort of, they had some other epic. I think like all issues that tied in with the Infinity Gauntlet or something like that for six bucks or seven bucks. That's, that's cool stuff. That's, that's how much digital should be worth to me. Um, but, uh, going back on that price stuff, I, I just can't get beyond that. Um, I, I think with DC, like their, their books that have the digital copy code in it, they're a dollar more. If I'm not mistaken, I yeah, could be wrong yeah. on that. But like Marvels, they're they're doing it now to where you get a digital code in the back for for the same price. So if you're gonna do it, do it that way, you know, and, instead of just paying the three ninety nine for it on Comicsology, just buy the physical copy, tear the code out, and uh, put the book in in your collection, or get rid of it if you don't like it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty much what I gotta say about that. You know, it's I'm on the fence. I I know that it's gonna become bigger uh, as the years go on, and and obviously it should. You know, but but I don't think that the paper market needs to be forgotten, and I don't think that they need to go 100% pa- uh, paperless. My only real complaint with digital is the fact that dark horse refuses to join Comicology and they have their own digital store, which makes no sense. Why is that? Why do they refuse to join? They, I don't know, they, they just do their own digital comics on their site, which I think hurts their digital sales because I'm lazy, you, have, you know, like I'm lazy. I'm not, I'm not going to go to another site to get one book. They don't have access to a... The type of market that Comicsology would then. I mean, Dark Horse is is big on its own. I think they're number four 
in in the grand scheme of things, and I think Valiant is is right behind him at number five. Um, but uh, comicsology is the way to go. You know, that's that's where it, that's where it's at. They're they're the front runners of the digital aspect, and and with good reason. Yeah, their uh, comicsology. I think the last couple of years has been the top ten grossing iPhone apps. Nice. You can't beat that. Yeah. Well, uh, let us know in the comments what what everybody else thinks. You know, let us know what you guys think about digital comics. Are you for it? Are you against it? Uh, do you think it's a good idea, a bad idea? I'd like to know. Yeah, let, let us know how much you hate Ghost Rider, too. Yeah, absolutely, because... It sucks, and, and you Tim, know, Tim took a, it was like Tim with the Taco Bell for the show and just let it all out on that comic. <laughs> My IDS kicked in. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, I, th- I think we've, we've run out of time, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> but it was a good show. Yeah, absolutely. Want to close us out with all of our Twitters and Facebooks and sites and all that? Yeah, sure thing. Okay, guys, don't forget to hit us up on stashmycomics.com. Go to the website, hit the forums. We've got a great group of people there that are anxious to talk about comics and to welcome you in to the wonderful world that is Stash My Comics. Uh, don't forget to hit up our blog. We've got the review for Tall Tales from the Badlands number three. That's from you, Leo. Yep. And we also have a new All in the Trades review uh, for Half Past Danger, the hardcover, by one of our new regular writers, Mel Lang. So go ahead and give her a big welcome. We'll have her on the show soon enough. Uh, don't forget there's an interview with Steve Orlando, uh, with Undertow, uh, le- uh, two weeks ago's uh, SMC podcast, episode 31. Uh, also, we have an interview with Frank uh, Bekovic and the Kickstarter there, uh, reviews for Strange Nation number five, uh, more, uh, more interviews and uh, more podcasts for you to check out. Uh, lots of good stuff on comic reviews, uh, information, everything. Uh, don't forget to hit us up on Facebook, stashmycomics.com forward slash Facebook. Cool stuff's going on there, and also on our Twitter feed, stashmycomics.com forward slash Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next week with more cool things, and don't forget, uh, Scott Shave will be joining us probably within the next week or two. He'll come back for more theatrics and more awesomeness. That is the stashmycomics.com podcast. Let us know what you think in the comments section, ladies and gentlemen. We love and want to hear from you. Leo, anything else? That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week.